Hey, good morning, everybody. We are live and for our Sunday morning services. I hope you're all with us, and um, we'll give just another minute or so for everyone to jump online. And uh, yeah, hope you're hope you're doing well this morning. Hope you're all safe. Hope you're all warm. I'm glad you're you're jumping online with us, and good to have you here this morning. We're gonna have a great time, and uh, it's gonna be obviously a very non-traditional service. Uh, our format's going to be a little different uh, because I'm all here, all alone in my office. Um, as sad and tragic as that sounds, uh, it's a lot funner when I get to be with you and see your smiling faces. Um, but here I am, and there you are, and we're going to have a great morning uh, today, um, enjoying the uh, the word and enjoying prayer and just enjoying each other. So um, I just wanted to uh, begin this morning like we normally do when we're in the building. Um, by reading you a, a passage of scripture. Um, and this comes from, in fact, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Um, and if you don't have your Bibles, I'll give you a second to go grab one um, so that we can read along together the, the couple of passages that we're going to read today. Um, but go ahead, um, if you have your Bible, and turn to Philippians uh, chapter 1. Now, I have no idea how many of you, if any of you, are using the um, uh, the chair Bible, so I don't know what page number to tell you to turn to, but hey, good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve and Crystal. Uh, good morning, Chris. Glad to have you all on here. And, uh, uh, the rest of you that are joining on, glad to have you. Um, so we're going to Philippians chapter one this morning, and, um, we're going to be talking a lot about prayer this morning. And so this is the, uh, this is the passage that the Lord, uh, led me to. Uh, Paul says to the Philippians that he's writing to, in, in verse 3 beginning, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And what a marvelous scripture, um, because I um, uh, want you to know that as I'm separated from you, as Paul was separated from the Philippians, I'm praying for you this morning. I'm, pray I'm hoping that you're praying for me as well. Um, but I love the promise, as Paul's talking about uh, how he wants them to pray for him and how he's praying for them. I love the promise that he slips right in the middle of there in verse 6. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work of in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that is our our hope. It's what we cling to last week. We talked about being kept 
for Jesus Christ. And so, uh, I, I, whatever, wherever your week's been like, and, and let me tell you something, Ginger and I have had a doozy of a week. We had a, a pipe burst under our house, and so we've been, uh, kind of being very creative and getting water, and we've had some people that have been helping with us, Matthew Moya in particular. If you're out there, Matthew, thank you very much again. Um, we appreciate your help, and, and so, uh, uh, but it's been rough, uh, especially with these temperatures and everything else. Uh, but we're okay. And, um, uh, uh, so you might be like us. I know, uh, Steve and Crystal had uh, a health situation and Amber Grove, uh, lost a, uh, a, you know, loved family member. And so it's been a rough week for some, but, but no matter where we're at, we know this isn't as good as it's going to get, that Jesus promises uh, that, that he began a good work in us, and he's going to finish that work. And so that gives fills me with incredible joy, uh, incredible gladness to consider that. And um, and all of this is centered on the idea of prayer, that we're praying for these things. And Paul prays that love would abound more, and knowledge, and discernment, and all these wonderful things. And that, that for the goal end goal, that we can approve what is excellent, and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. And I, I am praying that for you this morning. And so as we begin our service this morning, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to be with us, to help us to uh, be attentive to his word and sensitive to his spirit. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the beautiful miracle of snow and, and just the way uh, it blankets us and the things that it reminds us uh, in your scripture that says that though our sins be as scarlet, they'll soon be white as snow. And so, God, as we look at the beauty of the snow, we just thank you for that reminder of what your grace does to our corrupt hearts, that it, it makes them pure and white uh, once again. And we thank you that you are the one who has begun a good work in us. And Lord, you are going to continue that work. Lord, we have no fear of, of slipping away beyond your hand's reach because you are doing your work in us and you're going to complete your work in us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are so good and so um, wonderful to us. And um, God, just continue uh, your good work and let your work be advanced in us this morning. We pray that you would just help us to see all that you have for us and be transformed into your glory from uh, into your image rather from glory to glory even this morning. We thank you for all of this in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hey Margie, hey Deborah, I see you're on there and um I I'm, because I'm having to watch my other stuff. I'm not seeing everybody that comes on, so if I don't mention your name, just know that I'm glad that you're here and um uh it it's this is the next best thing. It's not as good as gathering with you, but I'm glad that we have the technology to do this. So glad you're all here. Um, hey, real quickly, um, I already mentioned uh, in my all my communication with you and in the beginning of this video that this is going to be an incredibly non-traditional, um, very not formal uh, service for us together, and so I just want to give you quick reminders. I've mentioned this a couple of times already, but um, please um, continue um, to, to be a faithful giver to Northridge Life Church. Um, you can do that even though we're not at the at the building. You can do that through the Church Center app that you can download from our website, or you can give directly from our website. And so uh, if you'd like to do that, uh, please do that, and we encourage you to do that. We're Obviously, still have expenses, as I've already mentioned, and so we want to encourage you to, to continue to give faithfully. Um, also, uh, if you're joining us this morning, maybe 
someone shared the video and you've never heard of our church or don't know who we are, um, we're glad you're here. And we also want to invite you to come visit us in person uh, when we resume our regular services next week. We start at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning, and we meet at 11th Place in Milwaukee right here in Lubbock. And so hopefully you can join us, and uh, we'll look forward to your visit. But glad you're here with us this morning online, and uh, hope you just make yourself uncomfortable and and uh, and enjoy the morning. Um, also, uh, just want to uh, uh, remind you uh, that uh, this is Valentine's Day, and I'm not normally the kind of guy that, that preaches special messages for holidays, but uh, I do want to encourage husbands and wives especially to be very grateful uh, for the ones that God has given them. I know I'm very grateful for uh, Ginger this morning. I love her very, very much, and, and outside of Jesus, she's the greatest gift I've ever received and so um, just uh, husbands, treat your wives right. Wives, let your husbands know how much they mean to you. So uh, uh, we uh, we hope that you're having a great Valentine's Day, even in spite of the weather and the five-degree temperatures. I checked the temperature right before I came online, five degrees. And um, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened even in recent memory. I just don't remember it being this cold in Lubbock, especially not with 23 below wind chills potential. So anyway, stay warm for goodness sakes. Ginger and I have had the heater cranked up and a blazing fire in the den uh, since all this started. So anyway, hope you're staying warm and safe and uh, don't get out on those roads unless you have to. But uh, uh, we're glad you're here this morning. So I'm going to get right into this. Now, you guys who were with us last week in person and online know that we started a series in the tiny little book of Jude uh, last week and uh, talked about how Jude encourages us to contend for the faith and, and that uh, there, there are false teachers and false believers that have creeped into the church um, and uh, we need to be on our guard for that. And we talked about how contending for the faith uh, entails being able to define what the gospel truly is and also to defend it against anyone who would bring an attack or an accusation against it. And so we're going to talk more about that next week. Because of the non-traditional uh, you know, format of this morning's service, I wanted to actually go back uh, to some thoughts that I shared with you in recent days um, when we did the series on the uh, Ordinary Means of Grace. And I wanted to just slow down a little bit because one of my intentions for this morning was to spend time uh, praying for you. And so uh, what I want to do, and, and for us to pray for each other, this is not you watching me pray. I want us all to pray together. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do this morning is if you're online right now and you have any prayer request of any type, any description, um, would you do me a favor right now and just list those in the comments? And then at the end of the message, I'm going to uh, try to take some time and uh, pray for those with you. And uh, and and we'll all the whole church will join you. So please let us know, um, uh, you know, how we can pray for you. You can do that anytime during the message. Um, and uh, at the end, we're going to pray specifically for your needs. So let us know uh, how we can pray. And then we will we'll do that. So um, you can just put those in the comments. And uh, if you haven't already contacted me about specific needs, and then we'll pray about those. So so let us know. Um, and we're going to go to the Lord together in prayer uh, at the conclusion. Um, so what I want you to do right now is grab your Bibles again and turn to Luke chapter 11. 
and we're going to read there uh, beginning in verse 1, and we'll go all the way down to about verse 13. So, yeah, grab your Bibles. I'll give you a second to do that and turn to Luke chapter 1. Hey, Teresa, good to have you here. And um, the, the only difference between our temperature and your 5-degree temperature is it's a little more common, I would imagine, for you guys. So, anyway, this is, this is a whole new ballgame for us. <laughs> but we're glad you're here. So here we are at Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and this is what we read. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his, because he is his friend, yet because of, of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs." And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Can we pause and pray one more time uh, for our hearts and for this message? Heavenly Father, we come before you. Our, our hearts and our hands are open to receive from you. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit you would speak to us and show us, Lord, what you want to show us about ourselves and teach us, Lord, to trust you more and more. Lord, we pray that before this message is over that we would see the absolute joy and delight and, and the wonderful nature of prayer, God. And we would just be drawn to be people of prayer, people who, who long to lay our hearts bare before you and for the very reason that you love us, God. And, and God, what a comfort it is to come before your throne knowing that we don't have to come trembling, but we come before a God who loves us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would crack through our hardened hearts and, and our dulled minds, Lord, and that you would just help us to see um, the reality of your word and that it would speak to us clearly. Father, I pray that you would help me and, and that you would take hold of my stammering lips and my confused thoughts, Lord, and help me to speak your word with authority and speak it in a way that uh, reveals the beauty and truth of it to your people. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you again for the wonderful snow and the people that we love and all the things we're celebrating today. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be close to us and near to us and that we would um, just enjoy your presence like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so this morning, what I want to do is I want to um, take this passage we just read from Luke and just point out a few things that um, I find beautiful in this passage and wonderful in this passage. I want to talk to you uh, and look with you at the wonder and the simplicity and the promise of prayer. And then I want to top it all off by looking at the basis for effective praying. So let's take another look at our passage here. Uh, The verse 1, Luke 11 verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now our text begins with an observation by Jesus' disciples. This is what was going on. Jesus had been praying, and when he was finished, the disciples press him for an education about the way he prays, about the methods of his prayer, about the effectiveness of his prayer. They want to be able to pray like Jesus. They want to be able to pray uh, in the same manner that he does. And what the, my question that I have for you to start off with this morning is what was it about Jesus's praying? Now think about this. You may have never thought about this before, but what was it about Jesus's praying that affected his disciples? Now there's probably 10 or 15 answers just right off the top of our head that we could give to that question. But I think it was probably and perhaps the intimacy that Jesus shared with the Father. Now, you may have, as you're listening to me now, you may have all kinds of opinions about prayer. And and when you think about having a good time, prayer may be way, way, way low on your list. But what I want you to understand is when the disciples were watching Jesus, I don't think they saw Jesus' prayers being stodgy or formal or ceremonial. I think that when Jesus prayed, the atmosphere was literally charged with love and with joy every time Jesus spoke to the Father. And this is what I mean when I told you that I wanted to talk about the wonder of prayer. And just just this, this amazing uh, atmosphere-charging way that Jesus prayed. There's wonder in it. If I'm honest with you, and I want to be, very often my prayers are not charged with anything spectacular. Maybe like you, I recite familiar words in familiar ways, and I pray simply because I'm supposed to, or because I'm pressed to do so by some urgent need, Uh, but, but there's nothing really more to it than that. Just checking a box off, you know, good Christian people pray, so I gotta pray, or I have an urgent need, my pipes break under my house, so I've gotta get something done, so I pray for those things. But see, what I want you to understand is when we see Jesus praying throughout the Gospels, His prayers are filled with delight. They're filled with gratitude. And so, the, the, the Gospels say that Jesus would on occasion literally pray all night long, not sleeping. And what we see when Jesus did that is he did not suffer for it. In fact, he thrived in it. 
A lot of times his miracles happened. For example, when Jesus walked on the water, when he literally walked on the waves, it was after a night of praying. And so he thrived by staying up on that praying. And, and is it any wonder with, with such a, a commitment, such a connection in prayer, is it any wonder that such miraculous power flowed from Jesus's life? This is what I'm calling the wonder of prayer. This untapped resource that we have, very few of us have ever really honed in on. This wonder of prayer. Jesus invites us. He's calling us to enjoy the same level of intimacy and joy that he found in the Father's presence. Let me read you something that Jesus said right at the end of his ministry. In John 16, 23, look it up if you have your Bibles. I'll give you a second. John 16, 23. Jesus is talking to his disciples after the Last Supper. And he says this, John 16, 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Now, Jesus said this, as I mentioned, right before his crucifixion and resurrection, literally the night before his crucifixion. And when Jesus says, you'll ask nothing of me, in the context of the passage, he's saying that his disciples won't have to pepper him with questions about his death and resurrection because they would have the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. But he also gives them, now this is what I want you to focus in on, Jesus gives them a a, a literally limitless promise. He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And then he says, ask and you will receive. And, and with a very blessed result. I love the result when he says, asking you will receive. He said, asking you receive that your joy may be full. Now I talked to you about how Jesus prayed with delight and gratitude. And now he's promising us that when we ask, we'll receive and the result in us will be full joy. Now let me ask you and let's be real honest with each other. You don't have to look me in the eyes this morning. Well, you look me in the eyes, but I can't look you in the eyes. I'm just looking into a camera. So I want to ask you, and I want you to, to seriously assess yourself. Is your joy full right now? Are you experiencing in your life, in your walk with Jesus, are you experiencing full joy? Is there capacity in you for more joy? Is there capacity in you for more satisfaction in Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus says that full joy, and I want you to think about this. You may have never put these two together, but Jesus says that full joy is a byproduct of asking the Father and believing in faith that he is listening and that he cares. What wonder is there in prayer that we never, ever, ever take advantage of? What what wonder is there in there? How, how amazing. What are the resources that we're not tapping into? Stop for a moment and consider with me that prayer allows you to communicate with the living, holy God. Think about that. Now, what happens to us when we're in church a lot or when we're raised in church is that our mind becomes dull to those realities. And so the wonder of prayer is lost on us. 
But think about the fact that you're communicating through this vehicle of prayer with a living God. And he's not only the creator of everything, but he is the very architect of our salvation. And what I'm longing for is us putting this this encouragement together for you. I'm longing that my heart will be literally pried loose from frivolous pursuits in order to seek the face of God. Now, when the disciples, moved by Christ's powerful praying, asked him to teach them his way, I want you to notice this. When they said, hey, Jesus, teach us what's going on with you in prayer. Show us what this is all about. He didn't look at him and say, sorry, guys, I'm Jesus. I'm the second person of the Trinity. You can't handle what's going on here. Leave this praying stuff to the pros. Jesus did not say that. You know what Jesus did? He taught him to pray. Let's take a look at what he said. This is, a, this is really great. Now, again, we're coming on a passage of Scripture here that I would guess, I'd venture a guess, that most of you listening to me right now are very, very, very familiar with. And that can hurt you. Because sometimes when we're familiar, we don't really hear what's being said. But this is what Jesus said when he taught them to pray. He said, and he said to them, this is, the, this is in your Luke chapter 11, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, as I said, most of us are familiar with these words. We call them the Lord's Prayer. Now, when I was a young Christian, I was taught that this was the Lord's example prayer. The implication was that these words were a blueprint, but not a verbatim prayer that we were expected to pray. And I want you to know that I, quite frankly, see this very differently now. The disciples had asked, I want you to pay attention not to what we've been taught, but what's going on in the written text. The disciples asked a simple question of Jesus. Teach us to pray. And Jesus responded in an equally simple manner. He says, when you pray, say this. He didn't say, pray something like this, or these are the points you're supposed to hit. In Matthew 6, 9, when in the other version of the Lord's Prayer, he similarly says, pray then like this. I want you to see that this is what we're calling not just the wonder of prayer, but the simplicity of prayer. I want you to see the simplicity with which Jesus arms us to be able to pray. I have, you can see kind of part of my library here behind me. I have several books in here that teach on prayer. And and they're books that allegedly teach power-filled praying over the course of many chapters and hundreds of pages. And they say things like, to win with God, pray like this. But Jesus, notice this. this. Don't let this escape your notice. Jesus gives us four simple sentences, both in Luke and Matthew, just four sentences. And he bluntly says directly to all of us, when you pray, say this. Now, some of you who get bored in prayer, some of you who, like me, have often even fallen asleep in prayer, need to take real note of what I'm telling you. Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray this. He's simplifying what we have complicated. 
Aren't you so glad that Jesus does that? He does it a lot. He saves us when we're, you know, from our own overcomplicated view of everything. And he makes everything so simple. He says the one who wants to be saved, simply believe. And here he's telling us, if you want to pray powerfully and effectively like me, now think about that. Jesus is saying, this is how you pray like me. Pray like this. Say this. Now I'm not suggesting for a second that longer prayers are often bad. Jesus prayed all night long. I'm not saying that these are the only words that you can use in a godly prayer. But what I am saying is that Jesus taught his disciples, the same disciples who would take the gospel to the entire world and even die horrible, brutal deaths because of the gospel, he told them to pray in an astoundingly simple manner. But we don't do well with simple, do we? Let's be honest. We want PhDs, while Jesus gives us words so simple that a children that children can memorize them. We we want something big and grand and the next big thing and Jesus says, just say this. We want more for one simple reason, I think. We don't recognize the power in this simple little prayer. But Jesus always, think about the Gospels, Jesus always elevates simple things to show forth his glory. What does Jesus do? He takes water, simple water, and he turns it into wine, the best wine. Jesus takes a a blind man and he heals his eyes with, with mud that he makes from his own spit. Jesus invites little snot-nosed children to sit in his lap and then he points to them and says, this is who gets the kingdom of God. Jesus elevates simple things for powerful results. So this morning as you're looking at the Lord's Prayer, let yourself see with fresh eyes the power of these words. Jesus tells us, let's, let's just take a look at it for a second. Jesus tells us to approach God as our Father. Now, We've said oftentimes at church, a lot of you listening to me have had terrible, wounding, traumatic relationships with your fathers. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus, the Lord, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they are not that Father. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to compare God to our earthly father. But what we ought to do is compare our earthly fathers to our heavenly father so that we can know that our, he- that our earthly fathers were lacking terribly. And God is a perfect father. Everything you ever wanted in a father is found in the father God. And so Jesus tells us to approach God as father and tell me, listen to me. If everything I'm saying about the fatherhood of God is true, what right do sinners Like you and I, you know how terrible you can be. I know how terrible I can be. What right do sinners like us have to call the one, the true, the holy God who dwells in unapproachable light, what right do we have to call him Father? Creator? Sure, that makes sense. Lord? Certainly he's the Lord. Judge? Definitely. He will definitely be our judge. But Father? No way. And yet Jesus says to approach him and call him our Father. In this one simple word, Father, you witness the power of grace. John chapter 1 verse 12, Jesus said, or, the, or John says to us about Jesus, but to all who did receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are God's sons. You are God's daughters because you have placed your trust in the Lord Jesus. And and that gives you an amazing sense of grace. It gives you an amazing power to pray um, and, and confidence to pray because you're not coming before the judge before whom you tremble. You're coming before the Father who loves you. So we hallow him. We regard him as holy. We worship him because he's worthy of it and because he first loved us. But there's more. Because he's a father, through prayer, we become invested as agents of his agenda. That's why we pray. When we pray, Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come. We're praying for his way to replace our way of doing things here on earth. We're praying for his kingdom to become realized in in our workplace, at school, in our church, in our families, in our relationships. We're praying for his kingdom to come. But we also understand that we would have nothing at all but empty hearts and empty hands if he should stop sustaining us. So he encourages us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. Why does he say each day? Because we need it every day. And so the things that we need, we're encouraged to come into the presence of our Father and ask for every day. But for more than that, we continue existing only because of his mercy. Do you realize that? If God wasn't sustaining your very life this morning, you wouldn't have woken up. You are sustained by the mercy of God. So we pray to God for more of that mercy. We pray, forgive us our sins. And we realize that children... As we are the children of God, that we should look like our Father. We should have a, a, a hereditary kind of resemblance to our Father. And so, as we ask God to extend mercy to us, we extend that same mercy to others as a testimony to them of the greatness of our God. And so we pray, we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. More than that, we recognize that we have hearts that are constantly prone to selfish and worldly drift. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation. And when we pray that, we're declaring not only our need for God to save us, but to keep us as well. Aren't you glad this morning that you are kept by God? Everything that you need to pray like Jesus, everything you need is contained in this little prayer. Think about what we just listed out. Worship a heart for God's will, petition for daily needs, a plea for mercy, a commitment to forgive others, and a request to be kept safe in grace. Let's be honest with ourselves about our praying. Can you do some self-examination and be honest this morning? Most of our prayers center on only one thing, and that thing is petition, asking God for stuff and for miracles and for interventions. We approach God like Ginger and I do curbside delivery. Have you guys discovered curbside delivery? It's awesome. Um, I am not a fan of shopping, and the best thing that ever happened to me is when I can jump on my computer, tell Walmart or HEB or United everything I want, and I just have to show up to the store, and it's all ready for me. Um, I don't have to relate to each other. They bring my stuff right out to the car, and I don't have to talk to anybody or look anybody in the face. They just load it in the back of my car, and off I go. 
When I make my order, I want to pick it up. I want no changes, no deletions, no substitutions. I want it exactly like I want it. And we get frustrated when that order doesn't come exactly like we ordered. One time I needed some uh, of those rubber gloves, the, the, the dishwashing gloves, to kind of clean my grill off. And I ordered them from Walmart. And um, they sent me an email and said that they had replaced my rubber gloves. And you know what they sent me? A brush. I kid you not. I don't know how that was a, a substitution, but we don't like that when our request to Walmart or HEB or United get changed. We want them just like we say. But God have, hasn't given us the privilege to pray like curbside delivery. He hasn't given us the, the privilege to pray merely to satisfy our desires. What he wants is to relate to us. He wants to know us, and bigger and better than that, he wants us to know him. He wants us to, to relate to him because that is prayer's main purpose. He wants us to trust him to even edit our shopping list because we know that he knows best. He wants us to be satisfied with him. He wants us to, to uh, be satisfied with him for himself, not just his stuff or his miracles, as great as those things are when they come to us. But that's not to say, when I say all that, that's not to say that there's not tremendous promise in prayer, because there is. Jesus uses a parable in our text today to make that point very clear. He says, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, his insistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now look, let's, let's break this down. Jesus says, Imagine that you go banging on your friend's door, because your old college buddy just pulled into to town, you look in the pantry and realize that you are fresh out of chips and salsa. You got nothing to give this guy. Now, ordinarily, your buddy, um, the, the one that you're banging on his door, would give you the shirt off his back. Good guy, generous guy, give you the shirt off his back. But for Pete's sake, it's midnight, and you're banging on his door. So your buddy angrily whispers through the door. He says, beat it. Everyone's in bed. If you wake up the kids, my wife is going to kill you and me both. Now Jesus says, if you keep knocking, you know what's going to happen. Eventually, your buddy is going to get up out of bed and he's going to give you what you're asking for. But don't get too excited because he's not giving you what you're asking for because he's your pal. He's giving you what you're asking for because it's late. He wants you to, to shut up to leave him alone and to go away. Now, I used to think that the point of this story in the Bible was this. I used to think that we were being told by Jesus that we should keep asking God, that we should bug him until he finally relents. I almost said resents. I guess maybe God would resent that. Not God, just kidding. But, but uh, uh, that we should bug God until he relents and gives us what we want. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. And we know that from the very next verse. So he tells a story about this guy banging on his friend's door. And then he says this, And I tell you, ask, 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is saying, you don't have to bang on God's door like a guy trying to come up with something in the middle of the night. God wants to hear you and answer you and respond to you and show his love for you because he loves you. Simply because he loves you. You don't have to, you don't have to try to, try to wear God down. God is already inclined towards you because you are his child. Though the friend had to be pestered until he got out of bed, Jesus says that you can ask God with confidence, never fearing being turned away. And that is what we call the promise of prayer. So we've talked about the wonder, the simplicity, and the promise of prayer. Jesus tells another parable a few chapters later in Luke 18. This one also is about prayer. And it's about a woman who, again, bugged this mean old judge day and night so that he would avenge her against her enemies. At first, the judge, grumpy old guy, he blew her off. and said, I'll leave me alone. You're bothering me. But eventually she bugged him so much that even though he was much, much stronger than he was, than she, that than she was rather than the judge was stronger than the woman. He gave her what he wanted because she just wore him down. But that the point's not again that we bug God to get what we want. This is what Jesus says, and the Lord said, "This is Luke eighteen verse six." And the Lord said, "Hear what the unrighteous judge says." Now, what did he say? He said, "This lady is making me crazy. She's worn me out." And so, uh, you know, i got to just do what she wants. But Jesus says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? See, the judge did delay long. He took forever to answer her prayer, her petition, her request. But Jesus says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Ah, what a promise that is. That's awesome. Nevertheless... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So Jesus is saying that God doesn't have to have his arm twisted like the mean old judge. He loves to move quickly. He loves to come to our aid with power and with blessing. God's willingness, listen to me carefully, God's willingness is never our problem. God is always willing to move on behalf of the children he loves. But our problem is exposed by Jesus' last question. If you don't remember, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What he's saying is, do we have enough faith and trust in God? Do we love him enough? And do we enjoy fellowship with him that we pursue him in prayer day and night? That is the question. We can go bug a guy at midnight. We can beg an unrighteous judge and we might get what we want. And yet we neglect, we neglect that God is waiting. He's loving us and waiting to hear our request, waiting to bring justice swiftly, waiting to give us the things we need, whether at midnight or any other time of the day, because he's waiting. He loves us and he wants to hear our prayer. And in all of this teaching, After showing us the wonder, the simplicity, and the promise of prayer, Jesus shows us the basis 
of all of our praying. In other words, he answers the question, why should we pray? And here it is. What father among you, the last part of our text today, what father among you, if his son asks for fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? And if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, the reason we pray is not religious duty. I told you at the beginning of this message that a lot of times that's exactly why I pray, because I'm a preacher and I'm a Christian, and preachers and Christians certainly ought to pray. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but often that's the motivation uh, for my praying. But we don't pray because of religious duty. We don't pray to acquire what we think we need. We pray for one simple reason, because God loves us. And more than anything, we want to experience and enjoy fellowship with God every day. And that's what drives us to pray all the time. Jesus illustrates this with an absurdity. Now think about this. When I say Jesus being absurd, that might offend some of you, but Jesus is intentionally being absurd here. He illustrates his point with this absurdity. He imagines earthly fathers feeding their kids serpents or scorpions instead of fish and eggs. Only a fool or a monster would do such a thing. Generally, even the worst among us, dads, I've at times been one of the worst, and even the worst among us take better care of our kids than to do something so careless, even if we're sinners at heart. Jesus said, if you, who can be so evil, give good gifts to your children, Jesus says that if sinful, frail, constantly struggling dads like us who work so hard and make sacrifices to bless our kids with good gifts, if we do that, what can we possibly expect from God? who is a perfectly loving, caring, tender-hearted father. In Matthew 7, Jesus says something similar. He says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? But then in Luke, where we just read, he says, How much more will will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. Why did he change it from good gifts to Holy Spirit or the translators change it? Why the difference? Because what I want to point out to you is of all the things that God can give you, there is nothing that God can give that matters more to us than the gift of the Holy Spirit after we're saved. He, the Holy Spirit, is is so disregarded by so many of us the importance, the power of having him right with us. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have God himself dwelling right within us. We have one who the Bible says is the down payment of everything else we will ever experience in God's eternal kingdom. He is the one who instructs us. He is the one who encourages us. He's the one who corrects us. And he's the one who always points us to Jesus Christ. But who gets this marvelous gift? How do you qualify for the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is ask God, and He will always respond. He will always give you this marvelous gift. If you're not experiencing 
Or maybe you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, but you're not recognizing His power, His influence in your life. Then maybe you don't sense His presence in your life, in your daily life. Then I want you to right now just ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. To make you aware of His presence. To let you sense His power. God promises that he will do so. And the Bible says that God is not a man that he can lie. His promise is sure. And so just ask him, and he'll give you the Holy Spirit and the, and the fullness, the sense of the Holy Spirit. So as I've shared these things to you with you today, I pray that you are encouraged to begin to pray if you, haven't, if you don't pray, if you haven't been praying or praying consistently. I, I, I pray that you would be encouraged to more seriously pray, to realize what it is that you're doing and and throw yourself into it. Or if you are a praying man or woman, that you would more faithfully pray and continue to faithfully pray. No matter in the in the spectrum of a praying life where you are right now, God is longing for more fellowship with his children. He wants to be with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to answer you. He wants to reveal his power. He wants to fill you with his presence. Now listen, full disclosure, I'm one of the strugglers. I want to learn, though, right now to pray like never before. I want to pray without ceasing. I want to pray with my wife and with you and and, and to pray constantly. I want to bring us together as a church to pray. My hope is that as I share my heart with you in this area, that you would say, hey, Mark, I am in, and that you'll join me. And the NRLC, our church, more than anything, will be known by all who experience our fellowship as a house of prayer. If it's a struggle for you, if you're thinking, man, I'd love to pray, I'd love to experience everything you're talking about, but Mark, I don't even know where to begin, I don't have the... the focus or the discipline, I want to I want to encourage you to do one thing. Four sentences. I want you to pray um to I want you to pray that, that God uh would would help you to pray, but I want you to begin a commitment today, make a commitment today to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Write it down somewhere, put it on your phone, and just pray it every day. But but I'm not talking to, to, to pray like some Muslim who prays seven times a day, the same old prayer, the same old rote prayer. What I want you to do is I want you to pray it thoughtfully. I want you to pray it slowly. I want you to not rush through it. I want you to think about the words that you're praying. What does it mean that God's your Father? What does it mean to hallow Him? What does it mean that His kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Think about what you're praying. And and believe when you pray those simple but powerful words that God that you're being heard and that God is moving. And if you'll do that, if you'll commit to pray the way that Jesus told you to pray every day, here's what I, I guarantee you, I promise you this, that what's going to happen is that Jesus is going to open your mouth, he's going to open your heart, and your prayers are going to become much more intimate, much more filled with fellowship before very long at all. And so just begin with a commitment to pray like Jesus said to pray. Also, I want to encourage you to find people to pray with. Ask someone if you can call them. I've, I've had several people over the years where I've done this. Ask somebody, if, if one of your friends at church, if you can call them and pray for five minutes every single night. Just five minutes. Or better yet, you pray for them, they pray for you. Or better yet, 
Um, do it with your spouse and your kids. There's no better prayer partner. There should be no better, better prayer partner than your, your wife, your husband, your kids. Um, this is something that Ginger and I always struggle with to, to find the time or to have the discipline to pray together. But, uh, but it, it's the, it's the highest thing you can do in your marriage. Um, what if we all began praying just a little bit every day and praying together? What would that grow into? I pray that you would just begin to consider all of the possibilities of praying. And so what I want to do right now, surprise, surprise, is I would like to pray with you. So um, I think I've got all of your prayer requests here. Ginger's been um, bringing these in. Uh, and so if I miss one, uh, Ginger, I know you're watching. If I miss one, just make sure that uh, somehow you alert me to the ones that I've missed. Um, and I'm looking on the feed as well so that we can make sure that we have. Uh, let's see. Make sure here. Okay, so let's begin to pray. Now, uh, you guys might have seen on the feed some of these things that came through um, on the uh, on the uh, Facebook feed as far as the prayers go, so you can pray with us. In fact, I want you to pray with us. I want us to pray together uh, for these things. And so um, let's let's pray together and, and just ask God to uh, to move in uh, close. And, and what I want to do, first of all, is I want to go um, to... Uh, Matthew's version. So if you would turn to Matthew 6, and let me pull it up here on, on my iPad here. So we can all say the, the same words. That you always have that trespasses and debts thing that you sometimes trip over. If you've been in church uh, for any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So everyone go to Matthew 6. And I'm, of course, reading, as I always do, from the ESV. And we're going to we're going to begin by praying the Lord's Prayer, um, and then uh, this begins in verse nine and goes through verse thirteen, um, and we're going to pray this together, and then we're going to pray for all the needs that you guys have have listed in. Okay, so join me with this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of the older translations have, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Father, we come to you right now with many, many needs we pray that you would help us to pray effectively and that we would see the truth of your, um, that, that we would see the truth of, of your word, the call to prayer. Lord, I pray that as we pray right now, you would fire our hearts to want to pray, um, God, the, the, uh, uh, in ways that are just life changing. And so we, we, we pray that you would connect us uh, to the heart of the Father. Help us to know the Father in this praying. Help us to see his hand, to, to sense his presence, to see his power. And more than seeing his hand, Lord, I pray that we would see his face. So, Lord, I bring 
all of these needs before you. And, and church, this is where I want to encourage you to just pray with me. Pray in your own words for the people that we're praying for. Lord, we pray for Amber Grove. She's lost her grandmother and, and Lord is grieving right now. And Lord, we pray that you would be the one who comforts her heart. We pray that you would be near to the brokenhearted and that you would cause her to, that you would turn her mourning into dancing, Lord, and, and that she would um, have joy in every remembrance of her grandmother. And Lord, peace that um, her grandmother is safe with you. And so, Lord, just watch over her and protect her as she travels. Lord, bring her safely back to her family. And Lord, restore her to joy soon, Lord God. And we pray for Amber. We love Amber and we pray for her. God, we pray um, for Rochelle's dad, Lord, as he's uh, needing to stay uh, at Crown Point for uh, the full 20 days to be able to finish his rehab. And so, God, I, I pray um, that you would work out whatever um, needs to be done there, Lord, that they would be able to uh, uh, be taken care of and, and that the, the her dad would get whatever rehab he needs uh, fully accomplished, Lord, and that he would be uh, well taken care of. I thank you, Lord, for Rochelle and Sherman and the blessing they are to our church family. God, I, I see here also that they have some burst pipes as well, Lord God, and I know how frustrating that can be for my own situation. And, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, quickly provide what they need to get those taken care of, Lord, and, and that, um, uh, Lord, that, that we would be able to, to bless them and serve them, uh, God, in any way that we can as the church body. And, uh, Lord, provide for everything that they need, Lord, that they would not have any lack, but they would be fully provided for. God, bless them with all of your good gifts. Lord, once again, we bring Crystal's brother Ken to you, Lord, that he would be absolutely healed. God, from this emergency colon cancer surgery that he underwent, Lord, and that we pray that this test on his lymph nodes would come back negative and that he won't need chemo, Lord. And, Lord, through all of this, Lord, we pray that you would uh, draw Ken closer to Jesus and in praying for him that you would draw, draw Stephen Crystal closer to Jesus and that they would experience your power, Lord, and your presence. And, God, just their delight in you would grow and, and uh, God, their love for you would be uh, just unhampered, Lord God. God, I thank you for Phoenix, Lord, and, and just her heart towards those that are so often forgotten. God, I pray for those uh, those men who are incarcerated and, and who are participating in the seminary at the Darrington unit. Lord, I got I, uh, these coronavirus lockdowns that have just swept through the prisons. Lord, they're affecting the classes. And, Lord, I pray that, that you would quickly bring an end to that. And, Lord, help these men who have committed their lives to studying your word. I just pray that they would stay faithful and that they would continue to, um, God, just just uh, uh, hear what you're calling them to, Lord, and that they would be able to serve uh, the other prisoners there at the Darrington unit, Lord, and that you would cause, um, God, just a great revival to break forth in that prison because of the men who are who are rising up to, to answer your call, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that, that there is no place so dark that your light can't shine. And we thank you for that, Jesus. You're so good to us. Um, God, I, I uh, pray, Lord Jesus, um, that, that, Lord, that you would just continue to move um, on, our, um, on our hearts, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would just help us to to um, 
be drawn more and more to prayer, that we would see your glory, God, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we are right now together as a church. We're asking for you to help us to to be filled, God, every day to overflowing. We know that we have the Holy Spirit if we are believers in you, but Lord, we want to be overflowing with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that would affect our daily life, our hearts, our attitudes, Lord God, our, our tendency towards sin. We ask for that. And Lord, lest I forget, I want to pray for Shane Carter, Lord. He's experiencing some physical sickness, and he's asked us to pray for him. And Lord, I pray that you would just touch his body, restore him to health, let him be able to get back to work to provide for his family. So Lord Jesus, just move right now and and let that be the case for Shane. Lord, I want to pray also for um, the Waltz and the Kimes, Lord, as they're traveling today. Um, Lord, I pray that, that you would just... Uh, help them to uh, be able to travel safely as they're going and coming, Lord, and and that uh, you would keep them uh, completely safe, Lord, in their journeys and and bring them back refreshed and enjoying uh, and and ready to uh, just uh, take on their work and and the things at church, Lord, that they're involved in. And, Lord, I want to also lift up Matthew Moya. God, he is uh, seeking to pass a teacher certification and Lord, I thank you for the blessing that Matthew is to our church, and I pray that you would just um, allow Matthew to have confidence in this test, and that you would just give him the grace he needs to pass it, and that uh, Lord, you would you would guide him to the right place where he would be a blessing uh, even further to to people who who uh, uh, you've called him to bless, Lord. And so I thank you for all this. Lord, I thank you for Northridge Life Church. I thank you that you're providing for all of our needs. I thank you that you've put godly people in our church that love you and that are are serving you. And, Lord, we just pray for you to just continue to um, have your way in our church and, and to be glorified in everything we do, Lord. I thank you for these people that have joined us this morning on this on this kind of weird, uh, non-traditional, informal service. And I pray that you would just bless them, God, um, as they go about their day. Bless the couples here on Valentine's Day. And, um, Lord, help us to uh, find all of our joy, all of our hope in you. We thank you for all of this, Lord God. We belong to you. The Bible says that whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And we, are, we know that we're safe in you and kept by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've said over and over that this is non-traditional, but we're going to hold to one of our traditions. If you're out there, and I may have to move this back a little bit so you can see me, but um, if, um, if you're out there, I want you to put your hands in a receiving position. And we are going to pronounce a benediction over you, and uh, we're going to wrap this up. So let me let me do that right now. This is what I found out of Hebrews. Let me get my hand right there. Out of Hebrews it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you guys a whole bunch. I miss you. I hate going even a week without seeing you, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, it's supposed to be in the 60s next week, so maybe we can all wear shorts to church. I don't know, but uh, whether whether you wear shorts or a parka, I look forward to seeing you. So love you guys, and uh, have a great day, and be blessed. If you need us, call us. Bye-bye.